Welcome to GoToGal, episode number 179. As always, I'm your host, Jacqueline Malone, and today we are talking about the science of marketing. So marketing is made up of, I was going to say I believe, but I don't think this is like, I think this is a fact. I don't think this is like a belief of mine, but you know, if you disagree, I don't know at me. Let's let's debate this. But marketing is made up of the art and the science, right? There's that creative part that isn't really measurable. However, when it comes to marketing, there are things that we can measure. And when we do, when we take the time to put systems in place and track certain metrics, we can use that data to drive our decisions. Now, our guest today is an expert at this, and I do believe that all parts of your business, having some system around marketing is going to help you implement, is going to help you execute on your marketing in a much more scalable, but even just sustainable way. Even if you're not ready to scale it and hire other people to help you, it's it's going to help you do it in a much more sustainable way. Also, it's going to help give you that feedback, that insight, that data to drive those decisions. So our guest today, Natasha, is a total pro at this. And we're going to pull back the curtain on this. I don't know. It's a a very cliche thing to say, but I'm not coming up with anything more creative. We are going to go behind the scenes with this and really break down what does this mean? How do you what are some of these marketing systems? What do you need at different parts of your business? Where does the customer journey fit into this as a system? How to track ROI and where do you even begin with looking at the numbers behind your marketing? So you can make those decisions. We are covering all of it. And yeah, let's just let's get into it. I don't I don't have anything else to say to you. (laughs) Oh, although I do. First, I want to officially introduce you to Natasha and then we're going to get to it. Natasha Vorompiova is the founder of Systems Rock and a metrics whisperer who deeply loves analytics and numbers. She uses her dark magic to help her clients do the impossible, turn the giant, confusing, and expensive scramble of marketing funnels into a streamlined ROI-producing machine. As a result of their work together, Natasha's clients begin seeing how their marketing is driving sales so they can sell more and grow their businesses in an intentional, predictable way. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Natasha. Natasha, so excited to have you here today. I'm so delighted to be here, Jacqueline. Thank you so very much. Oh, pleasure is mine. So before we dive into you and everything you have going on now, take us back to when you were growing up. What were you the go-to gal for back then? Oh, gosh, I was the responsible kind. I have a brother and two cousins. So when we were little, we would always spend summers at my grandmother. So like I was the one who was always responsible for the boys. So I was organizing projects for them and activities. So I was kind of like their little like mom away from their moms. <laughs> um, but something that I started doing pretty early is kind of creating little structures for myself and systems. I think about eight when I, for the first time, decided to organize my grandfather's workroom. And I did that. And I was so proud of myself, except for when he came (laughs) 
he was horrified because he said, but now I cannot find anything. Like, what did you do? And I was really shocked because I was expecting to be praised for what I did. But that was my first introduction to systems and organization. Then I realized that I really have to pay attention to what works for others versus coming and enforcing their systems on me. The reason I'm telling this specific story is because years later, I started the business around business systems. That story was always like on the back of my mind, just okay, like we really have to pay attention to what others need versus what I think is right for their businesses. What a profound takeaway at a young age too, to have that like, oh wait, like I thought you were going to be so excited that I did this for you and realizing how we all work and think differently, right? That maybe not one system is going to work for everyone. So how to customize that. What a great illustration of that. Now with your brother and cousin, what, what was the age difference? Three years apart. So I'm three years older than my older cousin and then he's three years older than my brother and we have another cousin who is three years younger so like we're all like three years apart so i was the oldest one the only sister so the word sister was the like reverend <laughs> kind of thing and then they are saying it they wouldn't even call me by name it's like sister and i was the one who was enforcing the rules <laughs> oh i love that my daughter is the oldest and has a lot of those qualities as well and it's funny we call her sis I mean, my son calls her sissy or sis, and it's kind of become a thing where I think I call her sis most of the time, too. <laughs> like, I wonder if when we're out in public, we're like, is that your sister? Like, <laughs> you look really old to be that little girl's sister. Oh, I don't know. But that's funny how, yes, yeah, is a term of endearment, but also that rank, that authority. Yeah, the responsibility yeah. with it being the older sister, for sure. Oh, okay. So fast forward to today. Tell us, what do you do and who do you help? So I did start, and I started now almost 10 years ago, I started a business helping other business owners create systems in their businesses. That was something that I've always been great at, except for when I started my own business, I didn't realize how difficult it would be to transition from corporate to working from home. Plus I had a little baby, plus we had just moved to a new country, a new language. So there were all these things. And basically when I started working from home, initially I wanted to be a marketing consultant. And then in like two, three months, I ended up switching to doing systems for my clients because I went on my own journey, figuring out, okay, like how do I organize myself? How do I organize my own day-to-day -day stuff so that I don't completely drown in all these tasks that I needed to do? And I did systems for quite a while, like six years or even seven in my business. What I realized as my business grown and I started working with larger and larger businesses was that one of the areas that was quite challenging to organize was marketing. A lot of my clients were overwhelmed with their marketing. And every time I would come in and we would create a system, it would become obsolete because they would switch to doing something else or they weren't sure how well it was working. So they were testing different things. So the system would be always evolving and changing and it would not be something that they could rely on. And that pushed me to examine this like, whole area of like, but how can we structure our marketing? How do we find a way to make it less overwhelming, which opened this whole new world for me of ways of measuring our marketing. And that's what I dove into about three years ago and ended up switching completely, pivoting my entire business just because it became 
became such a revelation to me that this was an area that, unbeknownst to me, I was struggling with when I had that previous business. Because even though I would set a goal for myself and I would know that, okay, for me to hit that goal, I need to sell these many programs or these many one-on-one arrangements, I could never translate it into a clear marketing plan. So it would always felt like a guessing game. I remember giving up on so many amazing ideas because I just couldn't scale them. And the reason I couldn't scale them, like now that I understand, it was because I could not see how my numbers can guide me, what I actually needed to do. But back then it was just like, okay, it's not working. (laughs) So like, let's just move on to something else. It's been really incredible to just discover this whole new other side of marketing because what we are taught a lot and a lot of courses that we take are around the art of marketing and the science of marketing is much more challenging, but because I like numbers, like this is something that I really enjoy doing. It became this my new passion, connecting the numbers, translating the numbers into our customers' behaviors so that marketing would not be so overwhelming. It would be the clear path of what needs to happen next. Right now, I work with businesses that want to get a bit more comfortable with what their marketing numbers are saying and what actions they can take based on what works, based on the behaviors that they are seeing from their customers. This is such a fascinating topic to me. So I'm excited for us to dive into this from a few (laughs) different angles because marketing is a combination of art and science and being able to tie numbers back to marketing is really powerful, but can also feel very restrictive or limiting or just overwhelming too. But before we get into all that, I want to back it up to you said something interesting about, okay, all of these companies were really, there was this pattern you were seeing of companies really struggling with the systems around marketing. Can you give us some examples of what are those systems? What are some marketing systems that every business should have or that are the most common? Because I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners may not even think of their marketing as being tied to systems. So yeah, pull back that curtain for us a little bit if you can. Absolutely. And it's such a great question because we do approach marketing as something that I need to get the word out about my services or my programs or my product. And it can become something that's just jointed from the rest of the activities that we are doing. However, marketing in essence, it's this process of educating our customers about what we sell and who we are, what we stand for, and guiding them through the process of learning who we are and what we sell and turning the right prospects into buyers. And marketing, it is very much a conversation. We are saying something to our customers, our prospects, and the way that they react to what we are saying, it becomes this back and forth. And when we know how they react, it's easier for us to take that next step. However, when we don't look at marketing as a conversation, when we look at it as, okay, it's just me posting things and me just exploring all these different social media networks, it becomes this collection of tasks not linked to the ultimate goal. So the system that I always start with my clients is actually understanding the customer journey. So if marketing is guiding our potential customers, our audience through this customer journey, what does it look like? How do we do that? And again, going back to 
making sure that we do what works for us. Kind of like I brought that sentiment back from my systems. It shouldn't be something that, okay, like it works, say YouTube videos, like it works for this person. So I have to do it as well. If I'm not great on camera, if I don't like it, if I'm great at written work, why would I do something that doesn't work for me because it worked for somebody else? The second component is always, okay, but what's been working for me? How do I find my people in the easiest way? What brings people to me already? So looking at what's been working so that it doesn't become this, we are not like enforcing something on ourselves. <laughs> at the end of the day, the best marketing system is being clear about the customer journey, being clear about two, three ways that we're bringing people in and focusing on that. Because again, it's so easy to fall into the trap of doing a lot and posting on different platforms and testing different marketing activities in hopes that the more that we do, the more people will come to us. But again, that's not really true because the more we kind of spread ourselves very thin, like the wider net we cast, the more difficult it is for the right people to hear our message and to find us. So the way that I look at it is we have to focus on what works and we can always analyze that even kind of like what worked for us in the past. Second thing is focusing on the right people and just going after those people instead of just testing everything and trying everything. And again, in terms of organizing our activities, I'm not saying that they don't ever like do more than two or three things, but we always start with one or two things. Like we test them, we make sure that they begin working. We create this system, repeatable system for, okay, like this is how this looks. Say like I'm doing Facebook lives every week because this is how my clients find me. And this is the easiest way for them to sign up for my program. And then like once that is working, we can introduce something else. Maybe it will be Instagram or maybe it will be podcast, but it's always should be this gradual process instead of just overwhelming ourselves with like everything that is possible <laughs> to do. That's such a great way to break it down. And you have me thinking a little bit differently because I think the customer journey is essential. And that's something that I focus on a lot in my business and my clients do and all of that. But I've never thought of it as a system before. You know, I think I think of it as more of a strategy and I'm like, there's probably, I wouldn't say the words are interchangeable, but it's maybe even just changing our relationship with the word system and what that means. And I guess how we're, I don't know, plugging that into different areas. So, but I'm also seeing, okay, like on my team, we have systems for content creation on different platforms and things like that. And then we have in terms of programs that I have, we have the plug and pitch system, which is like a repeatable marketing system in, ter in terms of getting yourself on podcasts as a guest, but using yeah. that as a marketing strategy. So the customer journey being a really big overarching system, but are there a few marketing systems that you feel like every business needs to have in place? So if we look at the customer journey, kind of the, the three main pillars are awareness, engagement and conversion. So in terms of breaking down system further, what you like as a business will look at is, okay, like what are the ways that I engage my people? And under that engagement can be, okay, I'm doing Facebook lives or I'm producing a podcast or I have a YouTube channel, or it can even be Facebook ads, but more letting with your audience know what you're doing. So that would be 
kind of like little system of how do we engage people or maybe like I'm blogging. So that will be one part. And then the second part, the engagement part will be, okay, like once somebody knows about who I am and what I do, what actually happens then? Maybe if we do, some people do challenges, some people get their audience on the email list and they take them through a very thorough welcome system, or it can be like a series of free programs that somebody can take. Maybe it's a Facebook group. So that's another kind of system or a couple of systems that are under that engagement umbrella. And then the conversion part is when somebody is in my audience, once I've engaged them in a conversation, how do I make sure that they have an opportunity to buy from me? So that can be an elaborate or a simple launch. Like maybe it's just an email sequence that invites them to buy something. Maybe you announce something in the Facebook group people buy or it can be like that big elaborate launch from like three-part series or when it starts with a challenge and then it leads into this whole sales sequence or there is a webinar that invites people into buying your program but basically i like looking at it kind of just like thirty thousand feet view then you look a little bit closer say like ten thousand feet view and then you look specifically at each individual part and look at okay how do we structure this part so as long as you put them into the right buckets and see how these buckets connect just join the list of tasks that we do or put under the this marketing umbrella becomes almost like this tapestry, like a puzzle that you know like where each puzzle piece needs to fall in order for it to be a really beautiful picture. Or in other words, full roster of clients or a launch that works well and you meet your goal. Does that answer your question? It does. So how do you recommend, and maybe you can pull out just one piece of this, but how do you recommend we document, I guess, all the layers of this? So what I found is that working with a team, especially these last few years, it's been so much more important to be able to get everyone on the same page to work towards this. And in some areas of my business, we have it really dialed in and we're very organized. And in other areas, we're still figuring it out and, you know, and putting those puzzle pieces together, if you will. So in terms of, because this can be really multifaceted, what are things that you think we should be capturing just to document like, okay, this is the system for awareness. We have the podcast. There's a lot that goes into producing the podcast. That seems like a more tangible one in my head. But yeah, I guess mm -hmm. what type of categories of things should we look at documenting to kind of capture what the system is? Yeah. What is always helpful is mapping out that customer journey page by page, step by step. And for that, just like I was doing it with clients in terms of their systems, I suggest this for my clients as well, is you take a bunch of post-it notes, like flat surface, and like map it out, okay, like first they land on this page. So say if you make people aware by producing a podcast and then you blog and then you are on Facebook. So you can just put this like individual pieces, like post-it notes and see, okay, like this is where somebody starts. From there, how do I guide them to the next step? What actually happens? Do they need to get to the email list? Like what is the landing page for that? From like once they got the landing page, what is the thank you page? So page by page, step by step of that customer journey, you map everything out. And like it will be very much like the cone. So like there'll be a lot of activities on the top. And then like as we go through the process, it will be more and more narrow. And that will be a map that you can afterwards look at and say, okay, like these are different activities that I do in each phase and like these are individual processes that I have for 
each one of the marketing activities that I do. So like you have a podcast process, certainly you have a process for posting and creating like blog pieces and process of what you do, whether it's like posting on the Facebook page or doing Facebook lives. So those will be individual processes, but they will have their place in this overall kind of like ecosystem that you have, like your ecosystem of marketing. So like once you have those three processes like on the top, then like you get them on the email list and there you can see, okay, once I get them on the email list, what is the email sequence? Also very helpful is to track those conversion rates. So like when somebody got to the opt-in page and afterwards signed up, what is my opt-in page? Because always the numbers are indicators of like how well something is working or not. In addition to structuring all these processes for each individual marketing activity, you can also look at how it works by looking at the numbers. So before you add something in, it's always helpful to see, okay, like, are there any ways for me to optimize what I already have in place and what's already working before I move on to something else? Because again, if we do a lot of things and if we lose our customers in places where, where we're already investing so much time and resources, it's just like we're losing money and it's not helpful for our business. But once like something is dialed in, then we can move on to something else and like say, maybe I will do that YouTube channel. Because like, I know that this piece is working well, and I know that I guide my people through this customer journey in the most efficient way. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So one of the things that you brought up a couple of times now is this idea that the numbers are really those indicators that can drive a lot of the decisions that we're making. So what numbers should we be tracking in terms of looking at the ROI of marketing? What numbers do you recommend people are taking a look at? Clearly, there's going to be different systems or strategies people are using in all of this, right, as you keep mentioning, but are there common numbers that apply to most of these? Yes, you're absolutely right. From business to business, this can look differently. I usually don't pay as much attention to the vanity metrics, like number of followers that we have on our social media account or people sharing our posts. They're a good indicator of what resonates best with our audience. And those metrics can guide our decisions about what content works better and what I can be exploring more. But overall, when we look at customer journey, like in essence, is the same as a funnel. And when we look at the funnel, what we're looking at are those steps and what actually happens from one step to the next. It's basically what you will be looking at are those numbers for each specific step. For example, if I say you do Facebook lives, the important thing will be how many people attend the Facebook live, how many people actually follow that call to action and say, go and sign up for something that you invited them to do, or maybe book a call with you. Of those people, so like you're taking people from aware to engaged. And from that stage, how does the conversion happen? Like, do they get on your email list and then you invite them to look at the sales page and then sign up for something. So like then it would be the number of people who got to the sales page versus a number of people who actually signed up. Or maybe you're inviting them to book a call with you. So it will be number of people who got to the booking page versus number of people who actually booked versus number of people who actually bought once you met with them. So it's always very, very helpful to go back to the customer journey 
look at, okay, what are the steps? Because those are usually the numbers. Plus you also look at the conversion rates just in case those numbers, say number of people to the sales page or number of people to the booking page fluctuates. Conversion rates is always easier to compare when we look at things from month to month. So if anything, start with your customer journey, you will not fail. So systems will be defined by your customer journey and numbers are defined by your customer journey. And this is the best place to optimize how things work because in the beginning, when you start tracking your numbers, you might go and ask for, okay, what are some industry standards for this type of funnel. But then once you've gone through that two, three months of yourself, then you can look at your own benchmarks and that's even more helpful because then you can see, okay, like these are the typical numbers that I'm seeing. And now you can try with Facebook live versus podcast or Facebook live versus YouTube video and see how people from different marketing channels go through that journey. And that's really great way of understanding what is your best audience? What works best for them? So you can test channels like that. You can test messaging like that. And it becomes very fun. I know that numbers are not fun for everybody, but it stops being kind of just like tracking numbers for numbers sake and becomes this like guiding light almost. I really love relying on my intuition when it comes to coming up with ideas of what I can track, but the numbers become that indicator of, okay, like, is this working? Is this not working? So like I get to check my test different ideas using numbers. So to me, this is like the best combination of the two, intuition and numbers. I can see that. And I'm glad you brought up that piece of it too. I wonder if it's a difference in styles with systems and strategies, or if there's a place for this in there, but how do you fit in or not fit in things that maybe are not as easily trackable? So thinking of maybe more brand building activities that could certainly help everything else in the customer journey work better, mm -hmm. but are not as easy to see maybe in terms of step-by-step -step or relationship building. I'm trying to think like, what are some of those things that are not as easily trackable? But, and this could be something like, it could be a podcast, for instance. So a lot of times people are listening to the podcast, but they're not taking action directly from the podcast, right? But that's that chance to really build relationships. I've also had people go from just being podcast listeners to becoming a one-on-one -on -one client or becoming a VIP client in a group coaching program and literally go from like not even being on my email list to here's dollars yeah. $10,000 for an investment. So clearly at a certain point you can track that, but at a certain point you can't, right? Until you get to that point maybe, right? Mm -hmm. And other things on, you know, people should maybe sharing parts of their day on Instagram stories. And that's not going to be that post that converts, but it could be the post that makes someone really relate to that person to make Absolutely. them pay attention to the post that yeah. does convert, right? So how do we fit that into this or do we not? Because sometimes it does feel like, okay, well, I can see how many people are viewing or engaging with my Instagram story, or I can see how many downloads my podcast has. So there certainly are numbers, a kind of, we could be tracking, but they're not always just because people are listening to the podcast doesn't mean that podcast converts. 
yeah, how do we fit in these kind of not as easily trackable metrics? Yeah. And it's such a great point, Jacqueline, indeed, because it's not everything can be tracked or not everything can be easily tracked. And it also very much depends on kind of the, the scale at which you are doing things and the type of business model that you have. Because somebody who has an online program and is already at the level where they have a like very clearly defined funnel and most of it is happening along this kind of journey, naturally it's much easier to do it. And somebody who has a service-based business and a lot of activities are something like relationship building or building trust and connectedness on, on social media, the metrics for that will be different. And you're right, a lot of it will be just kind of uh, tracking more, oh, like this post actually generated like, a lot of interest and it's a mental note like maybe i can talk about it from a different angle it is very very helpful to just post something not business related because like that's what makes us human and that's what builds trust in like us as a partner like on the business journey as well but at the end of the day when numbers come in is when you actually get somebody on your side to the page so I'm not suggesting at all that we need to be tracking every single thing. Like numbers are not always necessary for us to make those decisions, especially when it comes to looking at, okay, what actually produces the revenue Like we will look at is, okay, we get people to a certain point, like somewhere like online, because like all of us have online businesses. So at some point, somebody like will be sent to a page Well, they'll need to take a specific action. And that's something that we can measure and like we'll pay really close attention to. What we will also pay close attention to is where people come to that page. So that's where tracking those numbers will come helpful. So is it people from podcasts versus people on Instagram versus people on Facebook? And a lot of times it's possible to track kind of like using tools like Google Analytics. But a lot of times, if it's service-based, smaller business, maybe it's simply a form that you have your people fill out on the site and ask them how you found me. So tracking this can be done at different scale. And like some of it you will automate, some of it you will just rely on these numbers that you are getting occasionally. But again, at the end of the day, it's what you want to see at the end of that customer journey. And maybe it will look like you just like working backwards and seeing, okay, like if I want these many clients, what page do they need to be <laughs> to book that service with me? And before that, what are those different places where people are coming from and how can I find this out? Is it using Google Analytics or is it me just asking them? Or is it me just tracking that, okay, this is the person I had the conversation on Instagram and now three months later, they send out for my package. Package. It's for every business, it might look differently, but it's up to us to pay attention to this and see, okay, given the trends that I'm seeing, what makes more sense for me to put my time and resources into. Thank you for breaking that down like that. Okay. So something else you mentioned was in terms of, I guess, looking at the numbers and seeing maybe a positive impact of like, okay, this is working. What happens when the numbers are not telling that story? I guess there's two parts to that, right? Okay, we're trying something new or we're just starting to track numbers like this and we're realizing, okay, this doesn't seem like it's working. At what point 
do we make a change and try to optimize? I think that's the other part of it is that we can go into what does optimizing look like. But first, I would just love to know, like, how long do we ride those numbers out? Because I think sometimes people make a change or look at what they're doing and too impulsively say it's not working. But other times we can be doing something for a very long time and it's not working, but maybe we don't realize it. So how do we find that balance of getting to that optimization or maybe just stopping something? I'm so happy that you asked this question, Jacqueline, because I find that in this specific case, numbers are so useful because a lot of times they help us not to get into the emotional drama and actually being like very hard on ourselves and blaming ourselves for something like not working or say we don't have the results of our launch, what we hoped for and the goal for like, say like we wanted to get 15 people and we got only five. It's so easy to get into this place of like, nobody wants what I sell. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I've been doing this for such a long time and like why it's been so long. Why can't they figure this out by now? And numbers a lot of times are very helpful to just keep us like not fall into that trap because numbers can show us what is actually happening and it's rarely us. It's just like there's something that is not working. And by looking at numbers, it's so much easier to not be so emotional, kind of just like be a bit more of an observant versus us being in it and being so, so hard on ourselves. And in terms of what to look for, the thing is that I find that a lot of times underestimate how many people we need in order to convert them into clients. And I think there is this brainwashing conditioning that that's happening or all these success stories that we hear or we think that, okay, like I know that, but I will be different. So people will come to me and this will happen like by miracle. And the only reason I'm saying that is because like I thought that for the longest <laughs> time. Again, like back with my systems business, I was not paying attention, like as full attention to my numbers. And like, I would fall in those, like, oh my God, my launch didn't work. Like I need to do something different. Now that I'm looking at my numbers closer, I know that's okay. For me to get this number of people to like, sign up for my program or to work with me, this is a number of people that I need to have sales conversations with. And like, this is the number of people that I need to introduce to what I'm doing. And like, these are the types of people that I'm actually looking for. So they are not that any people, they are the right people. So when something doesn't work, the very first step is to actually step back and realistically look at, okay, what numbers do I need to be working with for them to actually work? And if you don't know what that looks like, ask somebody who has a similar business model. Look for examples on Online. Sometimes it's easier to get those numbers, something that you can just simply Google, like webinar funnel. It's pretty, <laughs> you will be able to find those numbers pretty quickly. But if you have a type of business that is not so common, try to find somebody similar or try to, maybe it's not even in the same industry, but like something to look at to kind of compare where you're at. And that will allow you to have this, some kind of like indicators of where am I compared to this? And it would be helpful to work with that for, say, month, two, three, to see when I do this, what changes? When I change from like this audience to that audience, does it actually make a difference? And another thing is like, what's very important is not to change everything at once. Because like, that's something that we love doing because, okay, like this did not work. So like, I'll make this completely new thing and I will try this. And that's very difficult to compare at the end of the day. So if something doesn't work, 
the first step would be, okay, what are some numbers can I get to compare where I'm at? And the second thing is when you optimize it, when you change something, like change like one or two things so that you are able to see, okay, what I did, did that actually make a difference? And that will be the best way to see whether it's worth sticking with this long-term or not. Because if you are like doing this and it's not working, if you are just making this really, really like tiny improvements and it's something that potentially it's not something that you are seeing results, of course, stop doing that. But if you see incremental improvements and like you see how things change from time to time, it's definitely worth sticking with. Because a lot of times, even like tiniest of improvements can give us like very, very big results. But it's just like finding that domino that like once you push it, the rest kind of like falls into places. It's so smart and scientific, right? With the changing one thing at a time. I find in practice, though, it's so hard to do that. (laughs) Especially when you're not evergreen, right? Because as you close up one launch and you're planning for the next one, if you're not launching, you know, every month or something, right? If you're only launching a few times a year, it can feel like, okay, well, I want to make all of these changes at the same time because we want that biggest result for the next launch. Is that like such a big no-no or there's some times where you're just okay go for it if you feel like you're making improvements what i always recommend is looking at what works for you because again like something that the trap that i fell into so many times is that i would hear this proven system that works for somebody and I would just say, okay, like I will do that. If it works for them, it will work for me. Unless I kind of step back and look at, okay, but is this something that I enjoy doing? Like, is this something that I'm good at? Is this something that I have seen works for my audience? It's so important to look at what's been working for us before. And that can be anecdotal that doesn't have to be numbers, but we really, really have to look at what works when making these changes. So yes, one launch can look very different from another, but you have to look at, okay, is this something that I can implement without spreading myself too thin, without spreading my team too thin, because like all I'm doing is this new things and like everything is unknown and I'm doing this only because it worked for somebody else. There has to be this adjustment that you make for you, for your business, for your audience, so that you can see yourself being propelled through this launch, like doing something to some degree will work because you are enjoying it and like your audience will benefit from it versus just pushing through it because it worked for somebody else. Okay. That's a really great point. So is there a minimum number of a data set of, okay, we've had this many people go through it, or if someone's like, okay, we have 20 people go through this and nobody moved to the next step. Do they wait till they get to you 50 or a hundred or a thousand? Like, is there a magic number of, okay, don't start optimizing until you have at least this much data, if you will. It depends on the type of business. Again, if you are looking at kind of like online numbers and if you are just looking at okay like numbers of people who came to this page versus that page and here are the conversion rates the higher numbers you have the better naturally however we're all starting with small numbers and we are starting with small numbers in the very beginning it is very important to get feedback from like actual live people so it's 
relatively easy to do when we are working or having conversations like sales conversations with people one-on-one -on -one. and even those who said no to us asking like what didn't work for you like what was something that why you said no <laughs> basically and like, it's uncomfortable for sure but those answers will give you very important information for you to make tweaks in the area that will be most valuable for a one-on-one -on -one service like start with say like 10 people if 10 people said no to you and if you got their feedback and you know what needs to be tweaked from there tweak it but again like one thing at a time and move forward when you're on a page it's much easier in a way because you can always translate those kind of digital footprints into behaviors so if somebody doesn't go from one page to the next there is just finite number of reasons why that might be happening like messaging might be off or you're sending wrong people to this page or something is so unclear about that page that people are not getting it again like step back and look at it from kind of just like okay like if i was a customer like what could be the reason why i would not move from this stage to the next again in terms of like numbers i'm hesitating to give you the number because it does depend on the type of business what's been done before but in the beginning the getting feedback and not scaling it is always the best thing and then another thing is don't jump into facebook ads before you found a way to sell what you sell kind of like in one-on-one -on -one settings or like small groups because starting to use facebook ads to bring more people before you nail your messaging it will be a waste of money a lot of us i've done that mistake too want to skip this phase of testing and fine-tuning and like understanding our customers and understanding what works for them in hopes that okay like here's this atm machine called facebook ads and like i'll just go put money in and it will spit money out but it never will until we know that messaging and like those numbers that we need to be working with and what our customers are responding best to so in the beginning that phase includes tests and fails and this painful okay like i need to make my next tweak but in the end it pays off so handsomely it's moving like our business from okay like this is early stages or even like not early stages but we've been doing this for a while and it's still not working it's so hard to pace ourselves and like look at data and like by data i mean like just the behavior like of our customers so what you are looking for is a business that works a business that you don't need to be constantly like tending to you've got to find this patience in you and figure out what works so that like, you could scale it and it will work like a clock really Yes, that's right there. I think that's probably like, okay, we need to just like <laughs> underline that because that's the why, right? That's our motivation to get through this. And you can do a lot. You don't need systems to make money. You need those systems to scale. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's like, you can just exactly. go wild to just create yeah. money, right? But to get to that point where you are able to scale it, that's where this is essential. And coming back to that and trusting the process and the patience that goes with that, I think is the underlying message there. Oh, okay. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Oh, I think we've covered 
<laughs> so many topics. We have. So I think like we are finishing on the very right note. Like look at what is your goal for your business. If it is a passion project, if you are just creating something and selling it and you don't really want to grow it further, like it works as it is, don't pay attention to data. Don't pay attention to like systems. Like if it works and like whatever systems you have in place, like you can rely on them. Great. Just stick with that. If you have different goals for your business, if you are ambitious to build a business with team and a business that doesn't take a lot of time running, even if it's a small business, then putting systems in place and like tracking what works and understanding what works so that you could make do more of that, that would actually be essential. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. Like look at what you're trying to build because your strategy for that will be different. Absolutely. Okay, Natasha, this has been amazing today. How can we stay in touch with you? The best place to find me is my website, systemsrock.com. And I'm also on Instagram, Natasha period forum Piova. I'm still trying to get my <laughs> ad systems rock handle, <laughs> but you can always find me by name and it's a new place for me to hang out. And I'm looking forward to connect with you there as well. Amazing. All right. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Can I just say thank you so much for listening? I don't think I say it enough, but I love that you are here. If you enjoyed today's episode or if you've been getting value from this podcast, would you do me a quick favor? Head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. When you leave a rating and review, it basically tells iTunes that they need to spread the word and tell more people about this podcast. And I am on a mission to get the word out. I'm so grateful for your support. We want to make sure to shout you out too. So if you do leave a rating review, keep your eyes and ears open. 